1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
2: First
3: of all, I gotta give it to you, man. That was pretty good. You want to talk about addiction, You want to go down that road, vato loco? ese. You know what, Holmes? We're going down that road. Well, let's do what we say in Spanish. Vamos a decirlo al Chile. Let's tell it straight up, man. The truth is, Brock, I am an addict. See, Brock, about three years ago, Holmes, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Vato, your home state. That's right, Vato. In the shower in the locker room. Oh, man, I was high, bro. I was high, high, high. And I don't remember much about that night, I said, but what I do remember, the, they carried me out of that arena and they carried me straight into rehab. And see, they didn't do that. I did that to myself, Bato. but that was just the beginning of it, I said. Because see, through all that time, bro. Through all those three years, not only did I wind up losing my job, I lost my wife, I lost my kids. And I lost myself, I lost my spirit. I disgraced my race, I disgraced my family, and I disgraced myself. But you know what, Brock? I came to a point in my life, I came to a point where it was do or die, Holmes. I had to make a decision, do or die. And you know what I said, I did, because I'm here right now. Day by day, by the grace of God, I have earned my way back into this ring, man. Day by day, by the grace of God, I have earned the respect of my kids again. Day by day, I have earned my life back. And see, Holmes, when I stand across you and I see that across your waist, you know what that symbolizes for me, I say. That symbolizes for me, I'm sorry. That's my way of telling my family, I'm sorry. That's my way of telling my kids. I'm gonna provide a better way of life for them. I'm gonna get the bikes that they wanted. I'm gonna give them a better education. That's my New addiction, home. See, when I step into this ring, yeah, bro, I am addicted. I'm addicted to the high that I get from them. I'm addicted to the high that I get when I go home and I tell my family, hey, I'm doing it. I'm addicted to the satisfaction that I get to tell everybody like you that didn't believe in me. You can stick it up
2: your ass.
3: I'm addicted to the do or die feeling, Holmes, that I'm gonna have this Sunday night at No Way Out. Because you know as well as I do, Holmes, Oh, What a high it is when we're in here, brother. See, but the difference between me and you, bro, is that I'm an addict. And I'll do anything and run over anybody that it's gonna take to get that around my waist and get my high and no way out and become the WWE Champion. do that someday, there's no way out! One, two, three! Hit my music! Break it down, it's the cue. Oh, you didn't know? No, an Stand back! I'm a nice man, Mamacita. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Eat me! Hey! Oh! I did it! Yeah! Well, enough! <laughs> You're listening to Music
4: of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 96 and it is about the themes of the late, great Eddie Guerrero. And joining me today for the first time on the show here is one of the hosts of the Grapple Spotlight podcast, as well as one of the hosts of the British Wrestling Experience podcast as part of Post Wrestling. It's Benno. Hello, Benno.
5: Hey, uh, great to be here, Andrew. Uh, Been a big fan of the show for for a long time, since the start when you were uh, recording back with Chris. Uh, Big fan of the show, big fan of Voices of Wrestling, so yeah, just uh, happy to be here. I'm glad you're here as well, yeah. Um, Actually, you know, I
1: was quite touched... When you told me that this was like a bucket list thing for you. Um, and if I had known that I would have had John sooner, I think, but, <laughs> but, but no, I do appreciate the kind words and um, I'm a big fan of yours too, with the uh, spotlight podcast. I think it's a great
5: show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, you know, one of those. It's, uh, I feel like you're not a real podcaster until you've come on this show. So oh. I like that you can do that. You know, you can, you can anoint people uh, <laughs> and give them, uh, give them back that grand stage. But yeah, and I appreciate it. We, uh, we do our best over at uh, grapple spotlight. So I appreciate as a uh, as an American that you, uh, listen to our inane ramblings of 40 minutes of football and soap <laughs> and other nonsense on that show.
1: Well, listen. As an American, I I will admit that some of the stuff does go over my head at times, like you know, British politics and, mm-hmm. or various football leagues or whatever. But um, I'm sure it's the same for you when you listen to an American podcast
5: and oh, they yeah. talk about like American sports and stuff
1: like that. So you know, it all, it all evens out, I think.
5: Yeah, that's it. If I listen to like uh, Joe and Rich on the uh, other flagship, sometimes like that's it I'm talking like American sports bet and that type of thing, hot pockets. <laughs> Apparently, that uh, thing. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, we we kind of get it. We 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 have a equivalent in our country, um, and times you try to uh, get those things over. So, yeah, you, you usually work it out. Well, Beno, uh,
1: since this is your debut on the show here, I'll ask you this: um, How did you get into being a wrestling
5: fan? How did you start? Uh, for me, I think a lot of people in the UK are be similar, or at least people of my age. I'm in my mid thirties, so anyone like me probably got into wrestling through it would be the tail end of like the uh, the rock and wrestling era i think we were a bit late you know we were we were all it was on sky tv towards the end of the uh, the 1980s but it's really the early 90s where the boom happened for us um, just as, you know, everyone was leaving, Hogan was ready to leave, you know, Warrior had left four different times and everybody's bodies were mysteriously shrinking. Um, but as a, <laughs> as a seven-year-old, I still thought it was cool as anything. And obviously, the yeah, SummerSlam 92 is probably the uh, the biggest memory for, uh, for most British wrestling fans as well. Uh, but yeah, I think you speak to British people, it's usually then or the Attitude Era uh, when, we, uh, when we come in. But for me, I'm one of those long-suffering fans who came in in the early 90s and just never went away. I was there in the trenches during the new generation uh, <laughs> and kind of uh, yeah, stuck with it ever since. Yeah, battle-hardened, to say the least, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, this is probably redundant to ask, uh, since you're so excited to be here, but
5: um, has music played a big part in your wrestling fandom at all? Oh, hugely, hugely! Like uh, me and uh, one of my best mates, Carl. Like all we, all we do really is listen to themes. Like if we travel to to shows, like if we, we used to go back when it was a thing to Wolverhampton for the likes of Fight Club Pro, with uh, you know, the two-hour car journey, the first thing we would do is like either throw on WCW Mayhem or uh, throw on a mix of uh, old WWF themes. Uh, so yeah lots of time for uh, the great music of wrestling and yeah as, as long as i can remember really i think the i remember like buying wwf magazine in like 95 96 and the full metal uh, album being advertised in there and just all the ones in the world was to own that album with great themes like psycho sits theme and uh, <laughs> smoking the smoking goods theme i just thought that would be the the coolest thing in the world to be able to uh, throw that in a cd player i don't think i ever actually bought that album in the end but Obviously bought a lot of the, uh, the later 90s one and the, uh, the early 2000s stuff. So, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a huge part of being a wrestling fan, isn't it? All of these themes. I think uh, Jim Johnson and, uh, and Jimmy Hart are, uh, are real legends in my eyes.
1: Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly about um, the importance of wrestling music to people. Because, uh, well, we're on, this, we're on this podcast here. So, <laughs> there you mm. go. Um, and something else about you, actually. Um, you were, for a short period of time, a wrestler yourself. Mm-hmm. I know you wrote a blog about your experiences not too long ago, which people should check out because it's very good. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're the second wrestler I've had on this show after Gran Akuma. So you're in good company, at least there.
5: <laughs> wow, I'll take that. I mean, I'm not sure like, how much I count myself as a wrestler. Uh, you know, I had a, had a couple of years, few few job matches. I only ever uh, got one match where I, I actually got to use an entrance theme. So that's, that was quite... Quite devastating, and um, like there were a, a couple of matches where I was people's tag team partner and I'd, I'd use their music, um, but yeah, or, or like we do rumbles and we'd come out. I don't know if you know who Ant and Deck are, like, selected, oh, I've heard of them, yeah, yeah, Duncan. Uh, we'd come out to, like, let's get ready to rumble for the uh, the night's uh, annual uh, rumble match that was in there, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was kind of it for me. I got to use uh, a little bit of offspring, um, like we'd, we'd vary uh, the different songs, but I never really got that. That chance to, to to pick my own. Uh, if I had, if you listen to the British wrestling experience, the uh, the opening music to that, the 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 old uh, WWF Silver Vision uh, song that they used to use at the start of tapes, that's the song I would have used. Um, but never really got the chance to uh, to put my my own stamp on it, unfortunately.
1: Well, here's the good news. If a wrestler ever says to you, "You can't criticize wrestling because you've never taken a bump before," you can say, "Excuse me, sir." I'm Benson Richards, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm easy Ernie Benson. I've taken plenty of bumps, okay?
5: (laughs) That's it. And a few tough ones as well. Uh, And my follow-up line to that usual be well, and I took those bumps, and I still don't know half as much as Dave Meltzer, so what does that prove? Um, (laughs) I hate that argument. Yeah, you've never been in a ring? Well, you know, I've never cooked in a kitchen professionally, but I'll tell you what's good and bad food. Right, right. Uh,
1: Well, today, Benno, we are here to look at the themes of Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat. And, um, you know, timing-wise, I wanted to do this episode around this time no matter what because, um, sadly, it is the 15th anniversary of the death of Eddie Guerrero. Uh, November 13th, 2005 is the exact date of his death. And I remember that day and finding out that he died. Quite vividly, actually. Um, I used to go to this website called uh, Gerweck.net, and it's where I got all my, you know, wrestling news and results and spoilers and everything else. And one day I, I go on there, and at the top of the page is a picture of Eddie. And it says, Eddie Guerrero, 1967 to 2005. And I'm just sitting there, you know, 12 years old, and I'm just, you know, in shock. Like, Wait, wait! What happened? What's going on here? I, I just saw him on TV a few days ago. How, how could this be? And then I saw the press conference with Vince and Chavo, and you know, it all just came crashing down. Um, what about you, Benno? Do you remember where you were when you found
5: out that Eddie died? I'm, I'm pretty sure I used to be like a regular visitor to the UK fan forum, and I don't remember seeing just seeing the thread one morning when I logged on um, that Eddie Guerrero had died um and then the ensuing you know couple of days worth of discourse about it and you know it was people kind of forget because we think of you know benoit being the reason all you know wellness and everything came in but that was kind of the first heavy pressure at least in the 2000s i can remember was that was the death of eddie guerrero and obviously lessons weren't learned and it wasn't uh, taken especially seriously but you know i do remember it getting a, a fair amount of press and a fair amount of I don't know pressure um on WWE you know in, in that moment and yeah I just remember it being just a, a horribly sad thing um considering the age of him considering you know he's in the prime of his life and the prime of his career and we'd all obviously heard the you know the tales about Eddie Guerrero and the you know the auto accidents he got into and the other issues that he'd had but yeah I don't think anyone ever expected that and to me it's it's I think that one that one in Benoit you know, as a wrestling fan, how many deaths, you know, do you unfortunately experience? Never mind being a wrestler, but those two are two of the biggest ones that stick out in my memory, I think.
1: Yeah, he wasn't the first premature wrestling death that took me aback. Um, I think the first one was Chris Candido earlier that year because I was watching an episode of Impact and he helped the Naturals win the tag team titles. And like the last shot of the episode is him celebrating with the belts. And then it fades to black, and it comes back up with a still image of him with the belts. And it says, Chris Candido, 1972 to 2005. And I was like, whoa, what the hell, man? This is weird. So Eddie wasn't the first time I'd experienced you know, an active wrestler on TV just dying so suddenly. But he was definitely the first one that really hit me hard. And this is no offense to Chris Candido either, by the way. I like him too, but... Eddie was one of my favorite guys from, like, the very beginning of my fandom. Like, pretty much since day one of me being a wrestling fan, Eddie was part of that, you know. And whether I was, you know, cheering on him to beat Brock for the belt or booing him for trying to, you know, take custody of Dominic Mysterio, uh, he was just this constant presence on my TV. He was always there, always ready to entertain me in, in some form or another. And all of a sudden he was gone. And yeah, you you look back and there are some signs, you know, like the size of his arms just being massive compared to a few years ago. And he just put on a, a ton of muscle mass towards the end and the look on his face, just, you know, so worn out and haggard at times. But it's like, you know, back then, I mean, we just, we weren't prepared for it, Benno. It was just, it was so
5: sudden. Yeah. And that, I think you've hit the nail on the head there to, to us, to, to fans watching from the outside. It's, it's out of nowhere, but then, you do go back, and you know, this weekend being the anniversary of his death and getting ready for this podcast, I did myself a little playlist. You know, going through his career, and the warning signs are all there, aren't you? It's just it's the size of him. Like uh, he looked, you know, a healthy, muscular man in say WCW in the you know the later heel run, you know, into when he started WWE, and there just comes a point where he just balloons right up. And you know, watching his last few with Batista and you know the Ray stuff, he just doesn't look well in hindsight if you look back at it it's a it's a little bit uncomfortable to watch um and like Benoit again those names just get tied together it's that it's the amount of weight that's packed onto such a small frame and it's the pressure you could tell that he put on himself like all those stories about him you know feeling the pressure of being WWE champion and wanting to perform and always wanting to be the best out there and you kind of watch it now back as a grown-up and you can kind of see it. You can see what kind of unfortunate led to such a, such a talented and important wrestler, unfortunately, dying. And yeah, like you say, it wasn't the first or last, unfortunately. Mm.
1: Well, I, I don't mean to start us off on a down note here. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to make this a, a super dour show. Um, it's just that, you know, this is the time of year when people post all the tributes and all the clips and artwork, which, you know, I, I think it's a silver lining in all of this. Uh, it's the fact that, Eddie is so beloved by people and people have just such fond memories of him and so much love that he'll always get these tributes every year. He'll always get the praise and admiration from his fans, both for his in-ring work, of course, which was quite stellar, um, but also for his character work and for his promos and the shenanigans, too. You know, I think when people pay tribute to him, you're just as likely to see a clip of him wrestling Rey Mysterio or Dee Malenko as you would a clip of him coming out in a low rider, or cutting that addiction promo against Brock that one time or shushing the fans when he's trying to cheat, you know, cause that was the thing about Eddie, you know, he wasn't just a great technical wrestler or a great high flyer. He had the charisma and the facial expressions and the fire to be just this all around great wrestler that people remember quite fondly, Benno.
5: Yeah, that's it. And that's, that's the thing. Like right now all you can really do is, is celebrate that and celebrate that ridiculous career he had, really. I like and I think, like I said, everyone's got some form of connection to Eddie Guerrero. Like, you look at, you know, a modern wrestler like a Sasha Banks who's got a huge connection to, to Eddie and his WWF run, you know, towards the end. And, you know, beat me personally, my biggest connection to Eddie is maybe the WCW run as much as anything. But I think everybody's got something with Eddie because, like you say, he was... He's one of those wrestlers who, you know, if he was a wrestler, if he was in like the EWR game, he'd have what? A 90 for charisma, a ninety for technical, <laughs> a ninety for speed. He could do everything. He was he was every part, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the world. And it did feel a little bit like it took uh, till later in his career for I mean, maybe higher ups in wrestling to recognize that. But from a fan point of view, he was always one of the most entertaining people on a card.
1: Yeah, I mean it's gotten to the point where it's like a recurring gag, um, especially with like wrestlers today. Where you ask them, you know, who inspired you growing up? Who's your favorite wrestler growing up? And they say Eddie Guerrero, and it's like, oh, really? Well, get in line, pal. You know, <laughs> you and ten thousand others. Uh, so, um, but you know, it, it's funny because it's true. And I think Eddie, for being so great, he he does deserve that level of praise.
5: Yeah, that's it. And hopefully, we can uh, we can do him justice today.
1: So let's get to these themes here. Uh, we have a lot of songs to play, and by a lot, I do mean a lot. Uh, uh, so many, in fact, that I had to make a few cuts of some other songs just to, you know, make it seem reasonable today here. So uh, I believe I saw him come out to like Eye of the Tiger on a CMLL show one time. Um, He also came out to the Guns N' Roses version of Live and Let Die and ECW. Um, Some of the filthy animal themes we played before on the show. So we won't get to those. But besides that, we've got like 15, 16 songs to play. So plenty of themes to go around, Beno.
5: Oh, that's it. Yeah. He, he, I was thinking that, you know, the likes of the the Filthy Animals ones. There's a few, isn't there, there where he, he only used it for like a, a little while. Or like you say, I think Eye of the Tiger, how many indie wrestlers have used that beam? Uh, I'm not sure if that one counts, but I think you've, uh, you've boiled it down to the quality stuff here. So I think we've got some good ones. Yeah. So
1: uh, Eddie, of course, part of the famous Guerrero wrestling family, uh, the youngest son of Gory Guerrero with his brothers being Hector, Mondo, and Chavo Sr. He started wrestling in 1986, but our story actually begins in 1992 in AAA. Um, Eddie, at this point, had wrestled all over Mexico in various promotions. Um, He wrestled Terry Funk in WCW in 89, and now he had just crossed over from CMLL, where he was wrestling under a mask as Mascara Magica. And on his first AAA show... He took the mask off to reveal that he was actually Eddie Guerrero, and he became part of a tag team with El Hijo Del Santo called La Pareja Atómica because decades back, Gory Guerrero and El Santo were the original Pareja Atómica, so there you go. Uh, Eddie's theme during this time is by Van Halen off of 1984. This is Panama. <laughs> So first of all, a big rest in peace to Eddie Van Halen, gone way too soon. Um, The thing about Eddie just having so many themes is that not every single one of them is going to be an iconic Eddie Guerrero theme. So as a result, you know, we won't have much to say about some of them. And uh, this is one of them, I think. You know, Panama, don't get me wrong, I love this song, I love Van Halen. The guitar riff is just killer. David Lee Roth at the peak of his powers as a frontman, but as far as like an Eddie Guerrero theme goes, there's just not much to sink your teeth into, you know, I think this stuff could be given to any number of young, fiery babyfaces, and it has over the years, but I don't think when people hear this song, their first thought is, oh yes, Eddie Guerrero, you know, that's, that's just not the case, Benno.
5: No, it's one of those songs, like you say, fiery babyface anthem, like... I was listening to this one, get ready for the podcast, kind of thinking, it doesn't make me think Eddie Guerrero. Maybe, you know, the, the, the white meat baby face Eddie Guerrero we got at various stages of his career. But yeah, it could be anybody's song, couldn't it? As good a song as it is and as memorable a song it is in, you know, real life. Like, it's a great song to throw on when you're going for a drive. Or I think it was, uh, I remember it being in like the Gran Turismo soundtrack um but other than that it's not really as far as a wrestling song goes it's not one that i've got huge memories of um very triple a though no fucks given for the, uh, the copyright. <laughs> just there, uh, you know whatever just uh we'll use some van halen why not yeah yeah
1: i mean maybe maybe if i wanted to dip into my english major bullshit bucket i could say that this song is about you know fast cars hot women so it's like a little bit of foreshadowing for later on in Eddie's career when he's Latino Heat, with the Mamacitas and the Lowriders. I, I could do that, but beyond that, I think this is just a case of Eddie just using this song for a little bit in his career, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as other wrestlers go, I'd say this is much more well-known as the theme for Kyoko Inoue in Japan, the Joshi wrestler. Um, she had this song for a number of years. And I believe Ultimo Dragon headed it at 1.2, so...
5: Oh, well, I didn't know there was more Dragon news there. I can actually picture that a little bit better. I think that, that kind of fits. So
1: uh, in August of 93, uh, Eddie shocks the world and turns heel on Iho del Santo and joins forces with a hated love machine Art Barr. And the reason he turns heel is actually kind of funny because um, during a match, it was Eddie, Santo, and Barr as a team and at one point, Barr puts on a Santo mask and starts beating up Eddie. And when Eddie comes to, he attacks Santo. Um, now, never mind the fact that Art Barr was wearing his distinctive American flag tights at the times, but, <laughs> but listen, it was a hot angle. We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. But, um, but anyway, Eddie and Art Barr form a tag team called La Pareja del Terror also known as Los Gringos Locos, which was the larger stable that they joined. Uh, Eddie's new theme as part of Los Gringos Locos is also by Van Halen, and it's also off of 1984. This is Jump. about Jump is that this was originally Art Bar's theme in Mexico. Um, He had this song in CMLL and then in AAA when he made the jump over to there. Um, And at first he was a good guy, a Technico. Um, Then he turned heel, Rudo, but he did not change the song. So he was still coming out to Jump and then when Eddie turned heel and joined forces with Art Bar, he took on Jump as his own theme. Which is why I chuckle when I think about them using this song because Los Gringos Locos were just the most hated tag team in Mexico. They got mega heat, but they're coming out to what is essentially one of the more babyface songs you can have. You know, Jump is not a typical bad guy song. It's rather a beat, it's motivational. The classic melody, dun, 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 dun. That does not scream evil villains, but I guess, you know, when you're that hated it doesn't matter what
5: song you have, they'll boo you regardless there by now. Yeah, it feels, like, ironic, doesn't it? It feels like a, like an ironic heel thing that they're coming out to this, you know, this celebrated song. It feels a little bit like, I heard you talking about Born in the USA on the last show. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. Like a, it's an uplifting song, but, you, you, can, you know, there's a, there are there are, there are hidden um, meanings to that song, and there's, like, a... Maybe you could make, a, like, a hidden meaning out of this song. Because um, it works for me, because, like, Los Gringos Locos, like... They almost feel mythical. Like for me as a kid watching from the UK, watching Eddie and WWF and WCW, at triple A and Los Gringos Locos was like a thing I'd read about in Power Slam or see Dave Meltzer talk about and not really know. And, you know, obviously seeing the uh, When Worlds Collide match, I think that's probably the, the most famous, uh, the hair versus Brass mask tag. Um, I'm familiar with them through that. But... Yeah, I think this kind of works for, like, their, their mythical nature is this great heel actor, you know, they're in there like, in that Worlds Collive match where they're you know, getting Mexico chance, and, you know, the fans are wanting to send them back to the US and, <laughs> you know, them being, you know, shit-face grin, like, face, uh, you know, on their face and that just, you know, grinning it up and being heels, it kind of works in that way. So, yeah, I like it and it's, uh, it, it feels like it just, it's a massive song anyway, isn't it? It's very... Very 80s feeling, Uh, and it's perfect for wrestling. I'm surprised we haven't seen more people try and use it.
1: Well, there's a little bit of symbolism with Eddie too, I think, because I played a cover of this song back on the Finn Balor episode I did last year with Lee Malone because, you know, Balor used it in New Japan when he was Pegasus Kid 2. And one of my points back then was that the song is about taking a chance And making, quote unquote, the jump into, you know, a new scenario, a new environment, a new relationship. And well, might as well jump. It's about taking that leap. And with Balor, he was making a jump into a new environment in New Japan. And taking a chance with this new promotion, this new country, this new character. And obviously it paid off for him quite well. Um, Well, with Eddie, he's taking his own jump here by adopting like the first significant heel persona of his career. And again, it paid off for him quite well because it helped him learn how to be just a great heel and to rile up the fans, and it showed us how awesome a bad guy he could be. Um, he brought up the when Worlds Collide tag. The heat is just off the charts for those guys. So Jump, it, it does have a little bit more significance behind it than at first glance, I think,
5: Benno. Yeah, definitely, and you know, again, I wish he'd he'd used it further on his career when he was like that. You know, that fiery baby face. And like, imagine if he'd used this in ECW. You know, it would have been would have been perfect for that for that character he used there. But yeah, and I think this period in his career is, like you said, hugely important. You can see elements of you know the Los Guerreros locos work when he like teams with Jericho in WCW or when he does his big WWE heel runs. Um, but like for me as a kid, not not familiar with AAA, I, I would have been watching the Edgar era that turns up later in, say, WCW, you know, as this, as this kind of not bland baby face, but straight laced guy and not know he had this in him. Um, but yeah, it does come out as a, as his uh, career goes on. Yeah. Um,
1: also the song is called jump and you got to bring up the connection with the frog splash, right? You, you got to do that. <laughs> sure. um, Art bar, of course, known for doing the frog splash as his finisher. And then when he died in 94, Eddie adopted the move as his own finisher to pay tribute. Um, But what people may not know is that Eddie actually did like a proto version of the Frog Splash early on in his career called the Jackknife Splash. Like a janky looking one. And then Bar saw that and liked it and made that the Frog Splash. So that's how the move came to be.
5: Oh, well, best Frog Splash ever? Or would you go with, uh, with a Rob Van Damme or a Dilo?
1: Oh, that's tough. That's tough because you know Van Damme the height and the distance he would get on that thing was just nuts and of course he would do the uh the upset tummy cell afterwards which put <laughs> it over the top for me but um but Eddie's was also very iconic too because he would you know beat his chest beforehand and do the yeah. arm swivel so that was also pretty great so
5: I think, I think it's the impact with Eddie that gets it for me. It always looks like it hurts. Yeah. Uh, the, the Van Damme selling was good, but it got a bit old after a while. <laughs> uh, I'd go with Eddie, though.
1: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so while Eddie was wrestling in AAA, uh, he was also wrestling in New Japan. Uh, he started going there in 1992 under his real name and competed in that year's Top of the Super Juniors. And his first theme in New Japan is by a band called Los Lobotomies, Off their subtitled album, this is called Smell Yourself. smell yourself in the music the moment you want it oh wait sorry wrong song wrong song sorry about that (laughs) um this one is not eminem and it's not hip-hop that's for sure Um, i doubt many people listening know who Los lobotomies are um they're a side project of steve lukather who is the guitarist from the band toto Uh, you know africa rosanna hold the line all those songs Uh, This is his side project, which is like this uh, rock, jazz, fusion, jam band kind of thing. And, uh, you know, Benno, I I don't know about you, but I I don't exactly have like pages and pages of notes about this one. Um, I don't even have a page about it. So um, I think it's a good song on its own. I do
5: enjoy it. But um, again, not a very iconic theme for Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's just a fun jam session, this song, isn't it? Um, like, if I, I honestly have no memory of this one. Uh, listening back to it this weekend, I kind of thought, it sounds a little bit like, you know, it could be used as NWOBT music or you could imagine it on, like, WCW-NWO World Tour on the N64 as, like, background music. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, a, a bit of a forgettable one, I think, uh, through Eddie's career.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, could I wax poetic about, oh, the technical mastery in this song is similar to Eddie's technical mastery in the ring, Sure I could, but I won't, you know. <laughs> I think this is just a case of Eddie, you know, needing a song to come out to in New Japan, and they just gave him one. Um, which is true for a lot of guys during that time period, I think. You know, unless they're coming out to an in-house theme, or you're such a big star that you form a connection with the song they give you, then, you know, chances are you're just gonna come out to whatever. And with Eddie... He was only coming over to be just another guy in the card. Um, he will get a new character soon that will give him some greater cash. But
5: right now, he's just, you know, a guy. So it doesn't matter what song he has. Yeah, I think the one thing you can say for it, though, is they, you know, they, I appreciate the attention to detail in New Japan that, you know, he used it in his 92-93 run. And then in 2002, when he came back, they gave her him again. Um, so they remembered it was his song, but I don't think anyone else did.
1: Well, like I said, uh, Eddie in 93 gets a new gimmick in New Japan. Uh, He becomes the second incarnation of Black Tiger, Black Tiger 2. And he would be Black Tiger 2 for the next few years in New Japan, and would actually go on to win the 1996 Best of the Super Juniors. Uh, His theme song as Black Tiger 2 is originally by a guy named Bill Ryan. Um, I could not find that version So instead, I opted for the remake they did for the albums by NJP Unit. So this is from New Japan Pro Wrestling 30th Anniversary Best Album. It's called The Black Tiger Theme. So I think similar with comparing Jump to Panama, um, the Black Tiger 2 theme has a little bit more juice to it than Smell Yourself does, uh, for a few reasons. Uh, number one, this is the first and really only theme of the episode here that is not a quote unquote Eddie Guerrero theme. Uh, this is a Black Tiger 2 theme, uh, which is a completely different you know character. And as such, it's a radical departure from what we've had so far in the episode, because Van Halen and Los Lobotomies, they're different types of rock and roll, but they're both part of the rock and roll family. And there's, you know, a human element there, too, with people playing live instruments. There's, you know, a human touch, a spark to those songs. This theme, though, we don't have that. We have something that's a bit darker, a bit colder, more clinical, more programmed with the various, you know, synth melodies and the drum machine. So we're
5: in very different territory here, Benno. Yeah, it feels like something you'd hear in, like, uh, you know, while they're very 80s sounded songs, this sounds like, like it being be like an 80s budget action film or something, uh, but in, like a, like, a darker vein, you know, something on, like, the, the mean streets somewhere, and it's very, like, it's big drums and, like, big spatial sounds, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's very unique sound, and it, it's another one there again. I've obviously seen the, the big Black, Black Tiger matches, the stuff with Benoit as well, Pegasus. But I can't say the theme really it ever jumped out to me before uh, going back and listening to it. But this is one that, yeah, listening back, I, I feel like it's going to make it onto uh, onto my Spotify. I think I'm going to uh, import this one because I think it's uh, it's really got something to it. There's something really, really cool about it. It's like a, maybe more as background noise. But yeah, it's, uh, it's it's unique, I think, is the word for this
1: one. Yeah, the comparison that I make is that it's music for like a 90s heist montage, right? Yeah. Like, you know, guys drilling into saves and hacking code, <laughs> sneaking around corridors. Uh, they got like the night vision goggles on. Like that's what I hear when I hear this music. But um but yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world that this is a darker song because it's Black Tiger. You know, Black Tiger is the dark nemesis of Tiger Mask. So it would just make sense then that his theme be dark as well. You know, the Tiger Mask theme is go, go, tiger. Go, go, tiger. It's triumphant, there's mariachi horns, and it's all heroic. This, though, is rather sinister, with the machine-like overtones, the, the bombastic stabbing keyboards on top, down, da the murky muddled keyboards underneath, <compelling sounds> there's a level of malevolence here that is not present in any of the previous songs, so even though technically speaking, this is not Eddie's first heel theme because of Jump, it's the first one that actually
5: sounds like a proper heel theme. Yeah, you can you can picture him coming out in the black mask with like a cape, and yeah, just being like the the evil masked man coming out there to uh, to take on the uh, the volume babyface. Uh, it just works. It's just perfect uh, for that character. And yeah, like I say, it, it, this is a period of like memoirs of Eddie's career where. You know, this is where he really started to take, you know, people were taking note of him on more of a, an international stage, weren't they? And this is the type of match that, you know, when I started downloading random matches on Kazar in the early 2000s, <laughs> you'd be grabbing the uh, the Wild Pegasus versus Black Tiger matches and you'd be telling your friends, oh, did you know the Black Tiger was actually Eddie Guerrero? It was always a good little trivia fact to uh, to give people. Yeah, it's a, it's a hugely memorable uh, period of his career. And yeah, I'm glad he's got a a, a banger of a theme to go with it. Yeah, just make sure you don't get the exe files. Those are a bit
1: tricky to <laughs> handle, so watch out. <laughs> You've got to be careful on that uh,
5: on those sites. These kids don't know, Andrew. These kids. Don't no,
1: know. no, no. I mean, um, I was a, I was never a Kazaa man myself, but uh, I was a LimeWire guy through <laughs> and through for a few years there. So, uh, I've dealt with my fair share of dodgy files. <laughs> so uh, it's days gone by. That's for sure. Days gone by. Uh, Well, we've talked about Eddie's themes in Mexico and Japan. Uh, Let's switch over to America. And uh, Eddie, his first real notable foray onto the American scene uh, was when he showed up at ECW in 1995. Um, I think the story goes is that originally it was supposed to be Eddie and Barr going to ECW together, but um, sadly, Barr died before they could do so, Um, so Eddie goes there solo and wins the ECW TV title on his first day. Not bad for a debut. And of course, he would go on to have a series of classic matches with Dean Malenko as well. Uh, The theme we'll play here is by Pearl Jam. So shout out to Joe Lanzov with this one. He's a big Pearl Jam fan. Off their second album Versus. This is called Animal. Great thing about ECW and what helped to make it special and stand out from the WWF and WCW is that they used contemporary bands and contemporary music for their shows, uh, primarily hard rock, metal, hip-hop, and it made the company feel like this cutting-edge, cool product. And for the most part, the songs they picked worked well with the wrestlers they belonged to. Um, Obviously, the Sandman using Enter Sandman for his theme ...is the biggest no-brainer ever, of course. Um, the Dudley Boys, using Highway to Hell by ACDC. Um, Mikey Whipwreck, using Loser by Beck. Uh, Raven and The Offspring. Terry Funk, Desperado. The list goes on and on. But there are also times where... ...it's rather befuddling, the choices they made. Um, Benno, I have to ask... ...why is Eddie Guerrero coming out to Pearl Jam? Like, can you make sense of this at all? Because Eddie does not strike me as a big Pearl Jam guy. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but that's my feeling anyway.
5: I, I could, I could see it though. I could see him having like an eclectic CD collection and having you know a bit of Van Halen in there, a bit of Pearl Jam. All uh, right, that was my theory that maybe he just came in and they were like, "What song do you want to use?" Oh, I really liked the, that that Pearl Jam song because it doesn't. It, it, I think his whole character in ECW is kind of weird because you see so much personality in the AAA. And then he comes in as straight laced Eddie Guerrero, doesn't he? And he, you know, he he gets rid. Obviously, you know, the the RPR situation is probably a big a big reason for the uh, the change in uh, in kind of outlook. Um, but yeah, it's just I think it works as a babyface song. You know, that very earthy '90s singing that that goes with it. You can imagine it in like a, a highlights clip, maybe um but yeah maybe it wouldn't be eddie guerrero i gave to but you know they were the rare those misses in ecw i think like you say i think having that licensed music like i I was thinking about it as you were talking and all of like my favorite hardcore promotions over the years from ecw to to early ring of honor to you know dare i say even progress until a few years ago (laughs) a big part of the what was good about the presentation in all those cases? It was the music. Like it added so much atmosphere using real, legitimate music, and you know, uh, assigning good songs to uh, to good wrestlers. Uh, but yeah, this is one where, like, if you'd quiz me on it, would I get whether I remembered that I used Animal by Pearl Jam? Probably not.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I totally get why this song is great for the environment of ECW because. Mm-hmm. It's an angry, hyped-up rock song. And, and that whole spirit and tone was all over the promotion. But like, as far as Eddie goes, he's not portraying this grungy, dark, brooding, angry character. He's just Eddie Guerrero. He's just a great technical wrestler. You know, This is not 97, 98, surly Eddie in WCW. This is not unhinged Eddie in 2005 WWE. He's, as you said, Benno rather straight laced about the whole thing so
5: i get the company vibe i just think pairing this song with eddie is a bit odd yeah that's it and it's a strange period isn't it like you go back and you you watch these matches and it's like no matter that regardless of the music you feel like eddie and dean are kind of fighting against the crowd at times but like i think the history we look back on it now and say you know well how great were those technical matches with Eddie and Dean in ECW? You know, they they changed the course of you know what was cool in the business. But you look at look at them back now and you can tell in like the crowd at times, like there's half of the crowd who are bored because no one's going through tables, and half of the crowd absolutely loving it. it was like that weird love hate thing. And I think eventually everybody came around to love. Um, you know, and how could you not respect like an Eddie and Dean? But they they do feel a little bit out of place um at this time in their career they obviously make it work but yeah maybe the the song is uh reflective of that as well you know it's funny
1: i had the same feeling of confusion when i did the ray mysterio episode last year with rich because the entire episode is pretty much just latin hip-hop latin hip-hop latin hip-hop latin hip-hop and then there's ecw where he's coming out to Sad But True by Metallica. <laughs> it's like, one of these things is not like the other there.
5: <laughs> wow, that is not... That's, I mean, we said about Eddie then, but that's not a song I imagine Rey Mysterio throws on in the car when he's uh, <laughs> driving around the 619. No, no.
1: Uh, well, as was the case for many a wrestler in this time period, uh, ECW was a stepping stone for Eddie on his way to WCW. Uh, same with Balenko. same with Benoit, Jericho... So Eddie joined WCW uh, in the fall of 95 and his first theme there he had for about a month from September to October. This is by a composer named Alfonso Santistaban. It's part of the Spanish Music Library and it's called Summer Night in Spain. Was bound to happen eventually. It took us six songs to get there, but finally we got it, baby. The stereotypical Hispanic music has finally arrived, and who better to deliver on that front than our old pals at World Championship Wrestling? They never disappoint when it comes to stereotypical ethnic music, either for Japanese wrestlers or for Mexican wrestlers, and they come through again here with Summer Night in Spain because. This is some real classic Spanish music with the trumpets and the tambourines, all that fun stuff. The galloping melody. Like, I'm just picturing in my head Spanish conquistadors and women in black dresses with roses in their hair, verdant green fields. Like, this song hits, and I expect, like, Don Quixote to come out and have a sword fight.
5: So it's a little on the nose there, Ben, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. It's the... You know, a couple of the songs we're going to get into you now are the types of songs where it's just like uh, they just randomly assign them, like they, they give the wrong guy the wrong music, and no one really notices. <laughs> like, I mean, the biggest thing for me is uh, are we doing the, the Juventud Guerrero episode now? Because that's the, uh, that's what I know this uh, this song as. It's his, uh, his famous. I think Juventud made this song work, like, I it, think it, it kind of fit his babyface character. Uh, you know, it was a very generic Mexican bullfighter sounding, but. I do so. There, there are a lot of luchadors in WWE in this period, and I didn't really, you know, not all of them were memorable. Hooven to Then this song felt memorable, but I believe I think I, I think I read. I remember reading Eddie's book a long time ago, and that he that he hated this song. Um, I don't blame him uh, for, for not liking it, like you say, for all the uh, the stereotypical reasons. But it was like, yeah, Hispanic dude, babyface, give him this. Um, but I do think it landed with the right person eventually. Well, here's the thing: um, Eddie isn't Spanish. He's Mexican-American.
1: There is a difference. I mean, far be it from WCW to know the difference, but there is one. So I can just totally picture them being like, oh, what's this guy's name? Guerrero? Ah, Give him some Spanish music, whatever. And that's the thing, too. Like, Eddie at this point is not coming in as this this big star. He's just a guy. He's working the dark matches. So his music is just whatever. It's, it's an afterthought. Um, later on, he will get some proper music, sure. But to them right
5: now, he's just another quote-unquote Spanish guy on the roster. Yeah, he's another body in a, in a World War Three, or, you know, just thrown out there as a guy. Is it Hector? Is it Eddie? Nobody really cares. He's just a guy on the roster.
1: Yeah, and, and you mentioned Hoovy having this song. Um, I believe El Dandy had this song as well. So Eddie, Hoovy, El Dandy. Hmm, what do they all have in common, I wonder? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So uh in October 95 Eddie gets his second WCW theme and this one lasts quite a while too uh, actually 2 years until October 97 which includes Eddie winning his first title in the company the US Championship as well as his first Cruiserweight Championship um this is from the Cosinus Music Library it's by George Bodosian and Giles Papiri it's called Bad Man To the disappointment of I'm sure many people out there uh, this is not Bad Man the heel rikishi theme uh, this is Badman the generic rock instrumental um, again a classic WCW staple and um, I don't know about you Benno but I think if I had to choose between this and Summer Night in Spain I might go with the latter because at least with that song there's the Latin connection yeah it's stereotypical sure but there's something there this is just another generic rock instrumental, and I just got nothing to say about it, really.
5: Yeah, I think like it's the type of song that just any old jobber in WCW could use and did use. Um, I re- I recognize this one immediately listening back to it, but again, not as an Eddie Guerrero song. Although I suppose when you close your eyes, you can kind of picture the mullet, the, the sparkly jacket, the, the singlet as a generic. 40-something-year-old Eddie... Looking 40-something-year-old Eddie Guerrero walks out when he's actually in reality about half that age. A um, little bit free as well. Um, but I suppose he was... He was a very generic guy in WWE at this point in his career, so he got a generic song as well. And yeah, little did me, you know, 12-year-old kid watching this at home realise what he uh, actually had in his locker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's similar to Animal in
1: tone, you know, like it's supposed to be this... Oh, I'm a bad man, the badass rock song. But it's like, when Eddie had this as his theme, he wasn't a bad guy. He was like a white meat babyface feuding with DDP and, and, and Six and guys like that, and that doesn't really make sense. And when he turns heel in the fall of 97, he does have this song for a little bit, but they eventually change it to a new song anyway. So, like, even the timing of the song just does not work.
5: Yeah, it just seems like the type of song where just not a lot of thought's been put in. Uh, it's just, that's your song, Eddie, get out there. Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of, in a way, I kind of like it. It's got a, it's got a nice little uh, riff to it, and it's repetitive. But it's a song I'll probably listen to again, I think, going forward. But again, not a song that's uh, that's very Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, and uh,
1: this was also used by Hector Guerrero, mm-hmm. Chavo Guerrero Jr., um, Juventud Guerrero. Again, there's Juve. Uh, Medusa, and Sensational Sherry. So uh, a
5: lot of use out of this one there. So. I think we'll find out why they went with Whoventude there. It was probably like Jimmy Hart or someone backstage is like, Guerrero, Guerrero, same yeah, thing. Give same this thing. <laughs> Come
1: on, right? <laughs> it's just one letter. Who cares, right? Come on. <laughs> so um, Eddie, by October 97, like I said, he's now a heel in the Cruiserweight division. Of um, course, has that amazing match with Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc. That's where we're at right now. And he finally has a new theme song, uh, his first one by Jimmy Hart and Howard Helm. You can find it on WWE, the music of WCW, and it has the very creative title of the Eddie Guerrero theme. so all the songs we've played so far from, you know, AAA, ECW, New Japan, early WCW, put all that stuff away. Because to me, this is where the episode really begins. Because we finally have a song that isn't an outside artist. It's not a library song. It's not for Black Tiger. This song was made specifically for Eddie Guerrero. You know, it's it's called the Eddie Guerrero theme, for God's sake. (laughs) Come on. And it was made to fit this iteration of Eddie Guerrero, too. The late 90s WCW heel Eddie with the long, greasy mullet, the shitty little mustache, the real sour look on his face, his body glistening in oil. He does that slow, malevolent walk down to the ring, and he just looks like the biggest scumbag around. And the music is right there with him. That, that slunky bass line. not do dun 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 dun, dun. That lines up with Eddie's walk. The horn section, which is not a romantic, adventurous horn section at all. This is not a fun horn section. Uh, There's something standoffish about them, I think. You get the occasional guitar slash in there and uh, the wailing funky keyboard too. It's like they took Eddie's just essence during this time period and transformed it into a song. It's pretty fantastic, Beno.
5: Yeah, that is it. This song... This is Eddie Guerrero, like this is him. Like, there's so much. You just listen to the song. There's so much personality in it. There's so much machismo. It just you can picture him in his tights with his slick back hair. Like, people are gonna have memories of Eddie Guerrero, and they're gonna probably point to his later WWE career. But this is Eddie Guerrero for me. This is this is peak Eddie Guerrero at the at the top of his game, showing all the personality that maybe hardcore fans knew were there. But. Me as a kid, just I couldn't believe it was the same dude. Like I, I love this period of Eddie Guerrero. You know, the from team with Jericho to feud with Chavo, just being a great, great underdog heel. And I think the song is such a a huge part of the act. I think it's one of the most memorable WCW themes, and. just something something about this song it it sounds familiar it sounds like i should know it as a real song but i don't and i don't know where like the connection is to some other song it it almost sounds like something that should be used in like an advert or a commercial to advertise like a tropical drink or something it's like a sleeve it's got this sleazy beat in the hobby
6: it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking maybe i can pull a kangaroo junior rookie card.
0: feel to it as well um but it
5: just screams eddie guerrero it is for me it's his best thing um and is the most eddie guerrero theme of the lot.
1: i've seen some notes comparing it to like um the cisco kid by war that song which sounds pretty similar i think but um but yeah this is music for someone who's up to no good And, and eddie was certainly up to no good and what i really like about it is that you know it has the latin music trappings in there with the horns and the drumming and so forth, but the purpose of the song isn't to highlight that Eddie is Latino. It's to highlight that he's just a skeevy, underhanded bastard who just so happens to be Latino. You know, the the Latino stuff is like the sprinkles on top of the ice cream sundae as opposed to being just the entire sundae. Um, Again, comparing it to Summer Night in Spain, what does that song tell you about Eddie Guerrero beyond his ethnic background? Nothing. Because at that point in time, he doesn't have a character beyond that. But now he does. And thankfully, Jimmy Hart and Howard Helm, when they made this theme, they focused a lot more on the tone and getting across the malevolence and the seediness of the
5: character as opposed to focusing just on the heritage like before, Benham. Yeah, it feels like one where they haven't gone, oh, here's a random tape. We'll use that as a song. They've gone into the studio motivated to make a song for heal eddie guerrero for this person and, he, and even if they didn't do that do it with that in mind pe- perfectly it fits perfectly um and like i say yeah it's just perfectly memorable for him and just the the perfect eddie guerrero theme um like this is again this is the, this is the one that you say the, the name eddie guerrero to me i hear this song uh, so yeah I know. jimmy hart has some hits and jimmy hart has some misses with her, with howard helm but this i think is one of his biggest hits
1: you know, it's funny, um, when I was a kid, I didn't think of this song as Nanny Eddie Guerrero theme. I thought of it as a Chavo theme, because uh. Chavo used this in WWE as a singles theme for a few years, you know, before he got the, ooh, Chavo song. Um, it was in the video games, too, as his theme. So I didn't realize that this was originally Eddie's theme until I went back and, you know, watched some of his old stuff. Um, I-, I don't think it works as well for Chavo, because he, he doesn't bring that level of just dark skeeviness that Eddie did Um, I mean it's, it's fine as a heel theme but Eddie I think really made it work for him
5: yeah, I think it sums up Chavo a little bit, doesn't it? Like, you know, Eddie Guerrero is one of the best wrestlers of all time, so there's no shame in it, but he was very much in Eddie's shadow, wasn't he, for most of his career, and even, you know, down to trying to use the song and, and get it over in WWE. He just, yeah, he didn't have that walk down. He didn't quite have that personality or that, you know, that, that swagger that makes this song work so well. But that's the story of Chavo Guerrero's career, isn't it? You know, God love him. He tried. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, in August of 98, uh, Eddie cuts a promo on Nitro, and uh, he's shooting folks pew-pew, talking about how, you know, he gives everything to WCW, this is his life, and Eric Bischoff doesn't care about him, and he's holding him down, and Eddie walks out. Uh, Now, it was a worked shoot, of course, um, that was based on some real-life tensions between Eddie and Eric Bischoff, but it was a work, and Eddie, he leaves for a few months, and he comes back in October... Interrupting a match between Hector Garza and Damien, saying that, again, Bischoff wouldn't give them chances to be bigger stars, wasn't paying them enough money, and that all the luchadors in WCW needed to band together to take what's theirs. And thus, the Latino world order was born. And it would go on to have almost every Mexican wrestler in the company join the group. Uh, Eddie, Damien, Garza... Hoovy, Psychosis, El Dandy, La Parca, Ciclope, etc., etc. And of course, there was the LWO theme by Jimmy Hart and Howard Helm. This is another very creative title on their part. It's called the Latino World Order theme.
4: La Raza
1: So the LWO theme is basically just Eddie's theme with a few key changes. Um, Number one is the opening percussion beat. Uh, It's a little bit more on-the-nose as far as being Latin percussion, uh, which makes sense because it's the Latino world order. It's a very on-the-nose stable. And the other change is that they add these vocal drops all throughout the song, La Raza, Latinos. because. The whole thing is supposed to be a takeoff of the NWO, and what was a trademark of the NWO theme? The vocal drops. F-f-f-life, for life. Too sweet! So it's playing off of that. Um, otherwise, it's just the same as Eddie's singles theme, which I think is actually kind of clever, and I'll expand upon that soon. But um, what do you think of the LWO theme, Benno?
5: I like it. You know, I, I, the the La the, the, uh intro, like you say. I think that really adds something to the song. It adds an, an extra level of swagger to a song that's already got a lot of swagger. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Huge fan of those uh those NWO themes with the uh, like you say, with the uh, the vocal drops with uh, with the Bischoff We Are In Control and the uh, <laughs> the ones you mentioned there. Like I, I can I can probably you know recount that entire theme uh, without prompting. Uh so this is like a good take up of that. Um I love the LWO. I thought I thought it was a good idea. I, I, you know, nowadays, we you know, twenty something years later, and work shoots kind of make us all roll our, our eyes. But I thought it was it was it was a good. sort um, what was I saying? It was a good uh, thing for Eddie. It was. Uh, it made him feel important. It made him feel like you know he was you know an important part of WCW that he was doing this for you with uh with Eric Bischoff. Um, and it was a good idea, you know, uh, as a work shoot, but. The problem it ran into as well, one, who do they work? Because all the luchadors just seem to work each other, so they're all in the same stable. What do you do? And then the NWO just killed them off. And even as a kid, I thought that was bullshit at the time, watching it live. Um, But good idea, and it was it was fun for the, uh, the short period it lasted.
1: Yeah, to me, the fact that it's using Eddie's theme as the foundation for this song is actually kind of clever because, you know, for all this talk from Eddie where he's like, we have to band together, we have to fight together... He was still the same slime ball as before, and he made the group like his own little power trip, you know, forcing Ray to join, not letting Chavo in, trying to get the belt off of Kidman. Like, the LWO wasn't truly one for all, all for one. No, Eddie was the leader, and what he says goes. So, of course, the theme song is just gonna be a variation of his own song instead of something just, you know, brand new. Um you might think it's different because it's about la raza and latinos but really it's all about Eddie. So I don't know if that was intentional or not but um it's something that I did pick up on there, but so
5: yeah, it, it definitely works like whether it's in the intentional or not, or not because yeah that was it wasn't it none of the the other lucha guys really mattered you know okay yeah there was the chavo story okay yeah you got Rey mysterio in his oversized shirt um, <laughs> and that whole story which that as a kid that just made me want to, to own an lwo shirt so that's a that's a classic wrestling too that i'd, uh, I'd love to get it on the hands on even now uh but you're right yeah it was all about eddie and it's just again like a lot of things in still it's a shame it never really went anywhere it's a shame the NWR to, uh, to kill it dead because uh, I think, yeah, there was a lot. There was Modi in this uh, and there was as Eddie is this, uh, this powerful uh, ego trip leader. Well, I know that Eddie got in that car crash at the end of the year.
1: That's where they had to stop the angle because he'd be out for like six months. So, you know, mm. you do wonder where it would have gone and if it actually would have moved beyond the Cruiserweight division, but
5: uh, I guess we'll never know. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like like many things at WCW, I think even given the best chance, I wonder, you know, would they really have capitalized that? Uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you know, got, gotta wonder, gotta wonder. <laughs> uh,
1: so Eddie comes back from the car crash in the middle of '99, and he starts the Filthy Animals Stable with Ray, Conan, and Billy Kidman. And if you want to hear some Filthy Animal themes, uh, check out that Ray Mysterio episode I did with Rich Crates last year. Now, Eddie would make a big leap forward in his career at the beginning of 2000 when he leaves WCW and joins the WWF with Benoit, Malenko, and Perry Saturn. And they all come in together as a new group called the Radicals with a Z because it's 2000 and it's cool and hip. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The Radicals, their theme is by Jim Johnston off of WWE Uncaged 2. It's simply called Radicals. I have to say, Benno, that I've never heard this song in full on its own before, and the only thing I remembered going in is the opening riff. But then I heard the whole thing, and I gotta say, this song is like a low-key banger. Like, there's the main riff, and that's heavy as hell, but underneath that, there's another guitar layer where Jim Johnston is just like meddling the fuck out and then the B section, there's this cool little synth line that comes in underneath that's like, and it gets kind of moody for a little bit. So while I wasn't expecting much from this song, you know, from the outset, I ended up kind of digging it,
5: Benno. Yeah, it's a, it's actually, I feel like it's quite memorable for me as a song. I think it's, like you said, there's a lot going on. And in some ways, it feels very generic, Jim Johnston, like you could really you could give this theme to anyone like i could imagine apa coming out to this theme like it, it's the type of theme that you could just throw on any guy and i don't necessarily have hugely fond memories of it. like you say the radicals with a Z, but it's it is it's a good song like it, it, go, it goes on like a a good length and it's it's not just the same riff over and over again he adds all those those dis- different elements to it so i almost feel bad that yeah jim johnston put it clearly put a lot of work into this song and the radicals win thing for for very long at all I know they had the the little mini comeback they did later on and stuff but yeah they were kind of uh, you know a couple of months and done uh, for a stable but yeah a a very good song and actually I'd I'd probably say quite an underrated one.
1: Yeah it's kind of like the opposite of the LWO theme where with that song the focus is on Eddie and his motivations and, and his character and it's using his singles theme as the foundation but with this song It's about the group as a whole and their motivations instead of the individuals. And I think this music works for the group because it represents them, you know, as these radicals, as these antagonistic, aggressive guys who are looking to fight people. But you don't really get a sense of who Eddie Guerrero is as an individual, um, at least at this point in time, you know, we'll get that with the next song. Sure. But, uh, but here, not yet.
5: Yeah. He's just one of the guys in this one. Like you see it in like that, that, hugely memorable Do you know that debut where they uh they attack the new age outlaws and they come from the front row in the crowd and him and the, the other three are just all four of them are dressed up like they're they're out on a on a big night out with the lads in their, in their best shirts and they've got dress shoes on i think yeah, eddie almost slips on the top rope there doing the frog splash <laughs> imagine it imagine if he'd done that the uh the ref he'd get into wwe on night one um but i think for me it was the fact that yeah they gave them this theme they they spent more time on their presentation than WCW ever did uh, with these kind of level guys. And they were immediately taken seriously as a as a bit of a big deal. Um, and I think that's, that's the most you can ask for us for a, a group of, you know, WCW essentially, you know, mid carders slash upper mid carders as they've been uh, cast as over the uh, the few years before they came to WWF. So yeah, for me as a fan, it was just cool for them. the uh, These uh, really great workers to, in my mind, finally be taken seriously and finally be given a real shot. And the song fits up perfectly.
1: Yeah. And uh, of course, this song would become Perry Saturn's theme, his singles theme, with the siren at the beginning. And the other guys, they got their own proper themes when they all drifted apart and and broke up. Because like you said, Benno, on paper, the Radicals look awesome. But the execution of it, not so much. Because they came in, they lost all their first matches in the company. Eddie got injured in his first match. Um, Then they turned heel (laughs) and became Triple H's goons. Then they disbanded and got back together again. It was just a real big mess of them as a group, I'd say.
5: Yeah, that's it. They kind of had that after the initial push, then they had that weird bed name period. But you're right. They did kind of become, you know, Triple H's henchmen, which wasn't the best role for them. I think for, you know, obviously for Benoit and Eddie, it all, it all comes good eventually. Um, but I think, like you said, they're for Saturn. It's never a good sign, is it? When you're in a stable and everybody else gets their own custom music and <laughs> you've got to carry that stable music forever. Uh, it's not always a, a, a sign the, uh, the officer are particularly behind you.
1: Yeah, yeah. um, Unless it's like Roman Reigns, in which case they're really behind you. (laughs) I just stole them, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, except the fans aren't, so. (laughs) That's it. So So, uh, the Radicals drift apart and Eddie strikes out on his own with the nickname Latino Heat, um, or as the king would say, Latino Heat! And he becomes the European champion and the IC champion. He gets a girlfriend, his mamacita, China. But more important than that, he gets his first WWF singles theme called Latino Heat. And uh, there are two versions we'll talk about here. Uh, The first one he had from April to December 2000. This is by Jim Johnston off of WWE Anthology. Let's hear the first version of Latino Heat.
4: Mamacita! You want some Latino
2: Heat? Latino!
3: I'm on the mat then, I, uh, uh, uh Santa de mi lado, cause I'm bringing the heat Cuando todo se termina, si tu quieres, yo regreso oh. I'm not scared of you, my brother, cause I'm Latin
1: This song to me is like the pervy little brother of Eddie's WCW theme because the WCW song was about presenting Eddie as this you know sour, underhanded ne'er do well. This one though is going more towards the Latin lover route because that was his gimmick. You know he was all in love with China, his mamacita, and he brought the the, the fiery passion, the Latino heat. So the song plays into that. It's got the Latin hip hop beats. It's got. More of a peppy bounce to it, the sexually charged lyrics, the catchy hook, Latino heat, Latino heat. Everything about it makes it seem like it's a fun little romp, but there's still an air of skeeviness about the whole thing, right? Like that opening stinger, mamacita, you want some Latino heat? Like the way that line is delivered, it's less Latin lover, and more like catcalling Benno, I think.
5: Yeah. And it fits him perfectly. Like yeah, that that skeezy guy who's uh, trying to win over the woman. Yeah, it's it's this again, this is similar to the WCW thing we just talked about. So, like it, it fits it fits Eddie as a person. I and mean, you can tell there's been work for it made to make this fit. Like it's it's memorable for me for again that whole that whole China story, you know, it was used in the uh, the Do They Have No Mercy game. You, know, you had him coming out with the roses and the China <laughs> next to him. And this is, again, for me, if you're going to make me pinpoint a WWE slash WWF version of Eddie Guerrero, it would be this. It would be this Eddie Guerrero coming out of this song and this, this kind of act that maybe shouldn't have worked, but did and got this guy who kind of maybe, like you said, came in with the radicals at the stop start because of the injury and was kind of just the guy it showed that personality that he had and that personality you can really hear in the music as well.
1: Yeah, because he's trying to present himself as like this romantic lover boy and he loves his mamacita so much but underneath the surface is the same old dirtbag Eddie Guerrero, right? I mean, look at the lyrics. Ven aquí con Latino heat, hitting up the honeys that look so sweet. I slam him on the mat and then I, uh, uh, sit down on my lap because I'm bringing the heat. Like, I get that it's the Attitude Era and all that stuff, but no sensible woman hears these lyrics and goes, oh, he's such a romantic. No, he's trying to get into your pants. So it's still presenting Eddie as a scumbag, just, you know, in a different way than the WCW theme did. You know, here it's about him putting up the veneer of a ladies' man, but he's actually just a total bastard.
5: yeah that's it and it you list off those lyrics and you just feel he don't you it just feels <laughs> dirty listening to to those words and that's that's the reaction you want isn't it for the latino he character just that like,
2: ugh, ugh,
5: just sounds oh, just sounds gross when you read it out loud um i love it and i love the line i'm not scared of you my brother because i'm latin <laughs> it's just great it's, just, it's simple but it's great
1: yeah Uh, The second version of Latino Heat. Uh, Eddie began using it in December 2000, and then when he came back to WWE the following April, he got the song back. Uh, This is off of WWF The Music Volume 5. This is the second version of Latino Heat.
4: Latino Latino Heat. Chica, tu quieres probar a un latino, Latino. man?
3: so sweet. I slam them on the mat, then yeah. I, uh, uh. Suerte de mi lado, cause I'm bringing the heat. Cuando todo se termine, si tú quieres, yo regreso. And I'm not scared of you, my brother, cause I'm Latin. La- yeah. oh.
1: So there are a couple of changes between this version and the first version. Um, first of all, they changed the intro. Uh, it's no longer, Mamacita, you want some latino heat? Now it's, Latino heat, chica, tu quieres sugar con un latino? Which translates to, hey girl, you wanna play with a latino? So still pretty sleazy I think, but um, it makes sense in the context that Eddie is no longer with China. He no longer has his Mamacita, but they're still trying to get across his character as this, you know, Scallion. And the other big difference is that the song feels more complete. You know, there's a little bit more going on here with the production quality. Uh, they added some more prominent horns to the mix. Um, and there's also an added guitar solo in there, too, which, uh, dare I say, is Carlos Santana-esque. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So overall, I definitely prefer this second version to the
5: first one, Benno. Yeah, like you said, it's just that little bit more polished, isn't it? Uh, it just, it, it works better. Like, the, the drums are better. Just, the, the sound of it's better. It sounds more, Latino Heat, the original version, sounds like a great wrestling song. This sounds like something, seems like more of a song you could potentially hear somewhere. I think, the, uh, like you said, the Carlos, the Santana influence is, uh, is definitely ringing loud on this one. I think that's, uh, that's definitely what they were going for. Mm. So I
1: mentioned that Eddie's first WWE run ended in November 2001. Um, That's because, unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, he did suffer from addiction issues as a result of the car crash from a few years ago. Um, So they took him off TV in May for rehab, but he got arrested for drunk driving in November. And um, that was it. He was let go. And um, it was a real low point for him, not just in his career, but also in his personal life. So... He needed to rebuild, get back in people's good graces, get back on track, and he did that not just by getting sober, but also getting back in the ring and wrestling in other promotions like uh, WWA in Australia, IWA Mid-South. He went back to New Japan for a quick tour, and as well, he wrestled in the very early days of Ring of Honor. He was on the first show, The Era of Honor Begins, and the third show, Night of Appreciation, which was actually after he re-signed with WWE. They let him work that show. So Eddie's ROH theme is by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. I think you guys all know where we're going with this one. Uh, This is off of Supernatural. Yes, it's smooth. Remember when this song was everywhere, Benno? Like, oh my god, you could not escape this song in 1999 and 2000. It was just drilled into all of our skulls for months and months and months on end. But you know what, look, despite all that, after all these years, I still like it. I do. Uh, Yes, it's become a meme of sorts in recent years, yes, the lyrics are a bit schmaltzy, but I can't help it. I think it's a very catchy song, Benno.
5: Yeah, that's it. Like, I remember being a teenager and I'd be watching MTV Bass over here, which I'd like, because uh, I was a big hip-hop fan. So I'd be sitting there waiting for, like, the latest Jay-Z or Nas or maybe Eminem or Dre or something. And then there'd be, like, an R&B song on and I'd turn over. And I'm not saying this is R&B, but it, it wasn't the type of music I was into. And as soon as, like, that opening to the video come, it's like a street party, isn't it, in the video? Like, I, this is one where I'd keep the channel off. Because it is such like it's a it's a foot tapper, isn't it as a song it's just uh, it, it's hugely memorable and it's it feels like yeah it's a it's a big song in, in popular culture as well and you're right like your 99 to 2000s you couldn't avoid this thing uh, it's classic i think it was number one pretty much everywhere wasn't it uh i think everyone uh, around the world has got those uh, those memories of this song and i think it it fits perfectly for that period in his career as well because While, you know, the best Eddie songs we've heard so far have been ones where it is like got that skeezy element to it, this is more of a celebration, I think. And that's what he needed at this period in his career. It's no secret you listen to any of my podcasts. I'm a huge Ring of Honor fan. Um, And Eddie Guerrero coming into ROH at this early period gave Ring of Honor credibility, but it also... Allowed Eddie to kind of revamp his image, you know, working with the likes of a young CM Punk and IWA Mid South, and working with the, you know, the, the wrestlers that hardcore fans loved. I think went a long way to rehabbing Eddie Guerrero in the public eye, and I think a feel-good song like this, I think, is perfect for that. Yeah, I think it
1: matches really well with the whole atmosphere of him in ROH because he was making his comeback there, and you know, things were on the up and up with him. So yeah, I agree that him having this really upbeat song like Smooth fits with the upward swing of his career. Um, It's not hard and heavy and dour. It's very uplifting. And the thing about Eddie, too, in ROH, is that he was just so appreciative of the company for giving him a chance and and featuring all these young, up-and-coming guys. And and the fans and wrestlers, they certainly appreciated him, too, and showed their appreciation back. So, overall, him having
5: this, you know, rosy, love-filled song like Smooth... It's a very good idea. Yeah, totally. Like I said, legit le- being there just legitimized ROH, it legitimized the likes of, of CM Punk as indie wrestlers. And yeah, it did a lot for the rep of Eddie Guerrero. So absolutely perfect song.
1: Yeah. And I think it's just a great theme for Eddie regardless, you know, because mm-hmm. it plays into his Latin roots. Um, there's a little rock edge to it. It has a memorable hook. And, you know, the schmaltiness of the lyrics aside, uh, it does come across to me as like a classier version of the Latino Heat theme. Because the song is about being in love with a woman, but it's not crass like Latino heat. You know, Rob Thomas is not slamming the honeys on the mat, going "uh, uh." It's <laughs> it's more poetic than that. Um, man, it's a hot one. Like seven inches from the midday sun, I hear you whisper, and the words melt everyone. But you stay so cool, my muñequita, my Spanish Harlem Mona Lisa. You're my reason for reason. To step in my groove. So not only is it a lot nicer and more palatable than Latino Heat is, it's also, I think, really believable as an entrance theme for Eddie. I can totally buy him
5: picking this song as his theme there, Beno. Yeah, it reads like, you know, it's hearing those lyrics like it's a love song written by a grown up. Whereas, you know, Latino, Heats written by a teenager or a child. You know, <laughs> this is a real grown up love song and it, it reflects, you know, you know, that Eddie Guerrero is now a man. He's not this boy making all these mistakes. Uh, and like you say, it's still got that Latin charisma to it. But yeah, it's a it's an altogether more uh, adult song. I'd say. It's the difference between a button up shirt and a South Park shirt. Right. It's, there just, you go.
1: it's a different level of class, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So um, Eddie returns to WWE in April 2002, and a few months later, he forms a new tag team with his nephew Chavo called Los Guerreros, and they eventually win the WWE Tag Team Championship. Uh, Initially, they're heels using Latino Heat as their theme, but eventually they do turn face and get a new theme song called Viva La Raza, and like Latino Heat, there are two versions we'll talk about. The first one is the Los Guerreros version uh, used by Eddie for about a year, March 03 to March 04. It's by Jim Johnston, so let's hear Viva La Raza.
3: Viva La Raza! If you're not cheating, you're not trying.
4: We lie, we cheat, we steal! We lie, we cheat, we steal Mamacita, we got that passion that's lasting long Most mujeres fall in love with that Latin charm One woman isn't enough, amigo Siempre cogiendo Mas mujeres porque somos latino And we tougher than tough calling your bluff cause We lie, we cheat, we steal We lie, we cheat, we steal We don't care if you like us Everybody wants to fight us Hey, lo claro, we eat the ones you wanna meet. another nada más caliente, we're too hot for you Latino heat, Chavito heat We can't be weak, coming from the streets of the ghetto At the end of the week we get to keep your dinero You're fast asleep when we sneak in your casa Your life sucks when you're bankrupt and we laugh you Can't trust none of us, cause we Latin We lie, we cheat, we steal We lie, we cheat, we
1: steal So I know for some people, um, like you, Benno, uh, the first Eddie theme they think of is the WCW theme. For others, it's Latino heat. Uh, But for me, Viva La Raza, whether it's this version or the solo version, this is my Eddie Guerrero theme. Because this is the song he had when I became a fan. And I still love it to this very day. Uh, Whenever I hear the opening, Viva La Raza, it perks me right up, uh, the, the energy, the vibrancy, the catchiness of the hook. We lie, we cheat, we steal. And, and it's amazing really seeing the progression of Eddie's themes as they become like more and more upbeat. You know, starting with the WCW theme, which is rather slow and, and malicious, to Latino Heat, which is more energetic, more involved, but there's still that layer of slime. And now we get Viva La Raza, which is really fun really colourful, and the most upbeat out of any of them. Still an edge to it, sure, but it feels the least creepy and malevolent out of the songs. So I do like seeing
5: that progression into what I consider to be the Eddie Guerrero theme. Yeah, it feels cheeky. It feels fun. It, it, It does. It feels lighter, doesn't it? It doesn't feel... It feels like, okay, yeah, you know, they lie, they cheat, they steal, but it's kind of with a wink, isn't it? It's not in, like, a <laughs> in a slimy way. It's kind of nice, in a way, this song. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's, it's up there with me for, like, the big Eddie themes. Like, and I love that. That Smackdown 6 period. Uh, probably the run of Chavo's life, uh, teaming with Eddie and, and using this song. Um, but it's, this is the, the bit, isn't it, where you start to realize that, oh, actually, that, that whole thing about, you know, you know, lying, cheating and stealing with a wink could actually be a great babyface uh, character. It could actually work. And I think this song kind of sets that up.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it works so well as this super upbeat kind of party song in a way, because even though their lie, cheat, steal gimmick is technically heel shenanigans, it was so entertaining and so popular with the fans and played with that wink and smile attitude that it helped turn the face. And it became this, you know, endearing and, and massive part of Eddie's legacy. So the song isn't being like, "Oh, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we're so evil and bad." No, it, it's more of a celebration, if anything, because the fans just love that stuff. So I think the tone of the song works well with how they were received by the fans with their antics.
5: Yeah, that's it. And it feels like for that reason, a big turning point in his career. It feels like maybe this is where Vince got it a little bit, and and WWE in general kind of got where the money was with, with an Eddie Guerrero like character. So yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna argue with you too hard about it being your, your favourite Eddie theme, but it you know, maybe maybe I wouldn't go favorite. But most important, it might well be.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and lyrically, you know, it's true to the character as well, because Eddie at this point has moved beyond just being Latino Heat. He he, he still does the hey mommy, orale stuff, but now he's leaning into the lychee steel gimmick more. So on the one hand you have lyrics like Yo mamacita, we got the passion that's fast and long. Los mujeres fall in love with the Latin charm. One woman isn't enough, amigo. So still playing to that Latin lover side of him. But you also have the other stuff too, where it's like, we can't be weak, coming from the streets of the ghetto. At the end of the week, we get to keep your dinero. You're fast asleep when we sneak in your casa. Your life sucks, cause you're bankrupt and we're laughing. You can't trust us, ese, cause we're Latin." Is it a little stereotypical? Eh, sure, why not? But there's a level of cheekiness here that I think, combined with the music, makes it less hostile and more more playful, and it fits their characters
5: really well. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like it's one of those songs where maybe you probably don't want to pay too much attention. It's like a lot of rap songs, isn't it? You don't really <laughs> want to pay too much attention to the lyrics because it's it's not really like shining the uh, the rapper in the uh, in the best light. Or in this case, the rest are in the best light, but. You almost don't listen to it. All you listen to is the the fun chorus, uh, and that's what really goes in your brain as a as a fan. Yeah, I mean, the entrance, too. Um, you know, they weren't coming
1: out like, oh, we're so sneaky and evil, look out. No, they came out in a lowrider, for God's sake. Yeah. Like, the most audaciously fun vehicle you can have for an entrance. It's
5: bumping up and down. Like, yeah, the whole thing was meant to be a wink and a smile. Yeah, that's it. And there are stereotypes here, but they were, you know, and, and who else could have pulled this off? other than Eddie. Eddie makes it work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So towards the end
1: of 2003, uh, Los Guerreros split up when Chavo turned heel and beat up Eddie. Uh, Eddie would continue to use the Los Guerreros version of Viva La Raza until March 04. That's when he got this version. Uh, This is off of WWE Uncaged. It's Jim Johnston with the second version of Viva La Raza.
2: Viva La Raza!
4: I got that passion that's lasting long. Los mujeres fall in love with that Latin charm. One woman isn't enough, amigo. Siempre corriendo. más mujeres porque soy latino. And I'm tough and tough. Call of your bluff, cuz. I lie, I cheat, I steal. What? I lie, I cheat, I steal. Yeah. I don't care if you don't like me. Uh, everybody wants to fight me. Do you feel it? Hey. lo claro. I ain't the one you wanna meet. Hay nada más caliente. I'm too hot for you. Yo. Latino heat. From the streets of the ghetto At the end of the week I get to keep building nitto You're fast asleep When I sneak in your casa Your life sucks Cause you're bankrupt And I'm laughing you <laughs> Can't trust me And Cause I'm Latin I lie I cheat I steal
1: So I think we said our piece With this song With the Los Guerreros version um There really isn't That much of a difference here With the solo version um Obviously the lyrics are changed Where it's now in the singular Instead of the plural I lie I cheat I steal all the references to we, us, Chavo, they're all gone because Eddie is on his own now. He's the champion. So um, I, I think as well, too, that they re-recorded the rapping and made it more in time with the music, which I like. So, yeah, I'd say I like
5: this one more than the first one, but it's the same song, basically. So, Yeah, it's kind of like the difference, isn't it, between, you know, Shawn Michaels' song when Sensational Sherry was singing it to when he sang it himself same lyrics just you're going from he to i uh, in that case and here it's uh, it's about both of them turning into just being about eddie himself uh, yeah it is it for all intents and purposes the same song but it does for me feel like this is the this song's the soundtrack isn't it to eddie's biggest moments uh in WWE. uh this is this is you know eddie guerrero as a as a top guy uh the song so yeah i don't he, the song was so great in the first place. It's one of those where they could have given him a new theme uh, for that run, but I don't think they really needed to. I think it, it fits him perfectly, and with the the minor changes, uh, it worked for Eddie. as like that that top line guy that you know Vince finally got behind, and he finally got to get you know those big moments in his career in the uh, in WWE.
1: For sure, for sure. Well, uh, Eddie uses "Viva La Raza" as his theme during his run as WWE Champion. Uh, the Kurt Angle feud. And then he forms the tag team with Rey Mysterio. And um, slowly, over the course of early 2005, Eddie starts to become more and more jealous of Rey. Because they wrestled at Minion 21 and Rey beat him. And there was more and more tension building between the two of them. Until eventually, Eddie snapped and attacked Rey to a bloody mess. And now Eddie, once again, a vicious bad guy. Uh, going after Rey's family... Claiming that he was Dominic's puppy, uh, all that fun stuff. Um, he got a new theme song from Jim Johnston in May um, off of WWE Uncaged 2. This is Lie, Cheat, Steal.
4: Can you feel the heat? Love, Say hello to Eddie. Love, I don't care if you don't like me. fight me. Do she's you feel it? It? Hey. Be naughty. Yo. From the streets of the ghetto At the end of the week I get to keep your dinero You're fast asleep when I sneak in your casa. Your life sucks cause you're bankrupt And I'm laughing You can't trust me, answer Cause I'm Latin yeah. Yo, too many try to tell me what I already know No. Yeah, uh-huh Viva
3: la ra
1: so this is very much the heel version of viva la raza and i think jim johnston did a very good job of playing around with the music to make it a heel theme Uh, you know backing away from the festive fun elements in the previous song there's no viva la raza stinger there's no dancey piano music instead it leans more into the edge it puts more emphasis on the guitar on the bass and the hip-hop beats Um, The lyrics are the same pretty much, but there's a filter on the vocals, they're not as clean as they were before, Uh, they're muddled, they're grimy, and it feels like there's more hostility with the delivery. Um, Even in the hook, if you listen closely, there's this added background vocal that is this really deep voice. A lie, a cheat, a steal. So it's pretty remarkable that with the right editing and the right production changes that you can take this song that is just so light and fun and turn it into this dark, moody, heel theme, venom.
5: Yeah, and I think that's all it needed. You wanted to keep that, you know, in turn, and Eddie, you wanted to keep the essence of Eddie Guerrero, but you don't want to give that the fans that excuse to cheer. You know, so you, like you say, you change the intro, you slow it down, you make it a little bit more lo-fi, you know, you have that weird kind of phone intro at the start, so it just it feels like there's not really a moment in this song for people to to cheer it kind of reminds you no, this is the new eddie guerrero he's a little bit more sinister everything's a little bit more darker he's still eddie guerrero but you know he's not the good guy anymore so i think yeah even though it's a minor change and it is really essentially the same song as uh, as people are it's it stands out on its own doesn't it As like a as a heel theme uh, and i think yeah this is another the Genius from Ginzak Johnston showing that, yeah, you only have to really change small things, but, you know, it changes so much about the song just doing that.
1: Yeah, I saw it as, like, Eddie basically reverting back to that late 90s WCW character, that, that hate-filled, contentious guy, because he stopped coming out in the lowriders, mm. he would just, you know, walk to the ring with that big scowl on his face, he was being extra vicious in the ring, and I don't know if you caught this, Spenno, but at the very end of the song, the last few notes you hear are a few beats on a bongo, which is how Eddie's WCW theme started on a bongo. Um, again, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I picked up on it as a nice little
5: you know, callback to that old theme song. Oh, that's so cool. I hadn't noticed that myself, but a lot of it, if Jim Johnston's still not on, per- on purpose, he's a, even more of a legend in my eyes. I love uh, little touches like that. I think that really, uh, that really adds to it in my, in my eyes, then it's like a, a memorable theme for him. You know what I can never figure out? The ringtone. Like,
1: what is the deal with that? Like, why why is that supposed to be an indicator (laughs) that he's now a bad
5: guy? I can never understand that, Benno. Yeah, is, it like, is he supposed to be like a drug dealer, and that's the phone call? Or I like, guess yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. It's like a are thing. And yeah, it's not like the uh, the only time they use it as well. It's weird. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to yeah stop us thinking of those uh, those great memories of uh, you know the the angle matches and the bloody JBL matches, and just remind us that yeah, this is a this is a bad bad dude, uh, and you're not supposed to cheer him anymore. Uh, that's kind of what this uh, this song says to me. I
1: remember about like 11 years ago, um, I was in Israel on this Jewish camp group thing and they gave us these like, you know, flip phones to call home with. And I was hanging out with uh, some friends and we were playing around with the ringtones and all of a sudden I hear the Eddie ringtone and in my head I popped big for it. And, you know, (laughs) I I just imagine like, you know, Jim Johnston holding up the phone to his mic and hitting play. Beep, 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 beep. Okay, got it. We're good. (laughs) Genius. So the final theme of the episode, yes, we've made it to the end. Uh, Eddie got this theme song in September 2005, and he only had it for like a few months before going back to Viva La Raza. Uh, this is Jim Johnston featuring Chemo the Blaxican, who is an MC from a group called Delinquent Habits. Uh, now, there is an album version of this song that was released on WWE Uncaged 3 called Kraken, but we'll play the broadcast version that can be found on the upcoming WWE Uncaged 14 this is called I'm Your Puppy
3: Stepped in with the gangster lane It's about that time homeboy. Oh boy I keep it sky high He la rolla, like five in my shit That's how I do it One no end Now it's time to get this party cracking Crackin'. It's time to let him know what's happening
2: Happening It's about time I stepped in with the
3: gangster lane No cheap talking what I want, I could tell you a yes man, puppet on a string, cojones in a vice, so they squeeze till you sing. But see, that ain't me, they don't own me. I grind till my lungs collapse, they don't control me. Oh, no, mas como cantan los pajaritos, se vendieron para hacerse ricos. Cuidado con el perro, el que no ladra, soy el mero callejero, el que tú no mandas. I ain't fucking around, I make myself at home, and mine, his, or your town for real. This ain't.
1: So we've gone full badass Latino gangsta hip-hop with this one. Um, has the same beat as Viva La Raza, and the same melody with the horns, just slightly modified. Uh, really, the crux of this theme is the lyrics, because there's a lot of swagger with the delivery of these lyrics. Now it's about time I stepped in with the gangsta lean... But they're also, like, the most intense lyrics we've had in the episode. Yeah. I can tell you a yes man, puppet on the string. Cajones in a vice, so they squeeze till you sing. But see, that I ain't me, they don't own me. I grind till my lungs collapse, they don't control me. Um, they're swearing in the song, I ain't fucking around. I make myself at home in mine, his or your town for real. Cause my shit be the bomba, I know you wanna smoke this. This is some rather heavy stuff compared to what we've had before,
5: Benno. Yeah, it's a real like hip hop track. Like I, I'm, I'm actually delighted because like one thing I'd noted, I, I, I was going to say, you know what the song sounds like? It sounds like Cypress Hill or Delinquent Habits or something. So I didn't realize it literally was uh, the habits there. Um, yeah, it's like I say, it's got that, it's got that cell phone at the start. So you know, yeah people are calling for drugs or yeah the, uh, the girls are calling maybe maybe that's what it is yeah know, that makes that way. but it's got a real like this is my kind of music just a, like a hardcore kind of hip hop thing too with the whole like say the, the gangster lean uh lyrics and just it sounds moody and it's moody and it sounds like eddie is a boss uh, and it's such a shame he didn't get to use this one more because this is this is one where yeah i wasn't wasn't a huge memory for me. I kind of vaguely remembered that he that he had another theme, um, but yeah, this is the one where like I think he could have used this for years for uh, for his uh, for his character, especially uh, as a heel. Uh, I think it fit perfectly, and it did it. Felt, it felt if the last song felt a bit more sinister because of the lyrics and because of like the like I say the delinquent habits influence there. It just feels a lot more sinister and a lot more heelish. He feels like a like a top heel in this song.
1: Yeah, it's like Lie, Cheat, and Steal wasn't bad motherfucker enough. He had to mm. go further into that territory because there are similar themes between the two songs. It's just different levels of saying it. Um, there's a couple lines here. Check this out. Keep your ladies locked up. Before they crip, fall, get themselves locked up. What's mine is mine. What's yours? If I want, I take. That's how I get down. Those are the breaks. Again, at its core, it's the same kind of message as the previous themes. I'm a badass. I'll take your stuff. I'll take your women. But now it's just escalated so much. You know, it's no longer in the celebratory cheeky fun zone that it was before. Now it's rather overtly aggressive and threatening.
5: Yeah. He sounds just like a like a ruthless like Don. You know, you could imagine was like the if you know if he would uh, live longer or you know got more time, you know, he could be like the leader of like a maybe maybe not a, a Los Bariquist type stable, but that kind of thing where he's like the uh, you know chief essay and he's the uh, he's the guy, he's the boss in charge. Like this is what this feels like. This feels like where the character was always going, um, and yeah, it's just a it'd be perfect um, for a for a good few year run with this. I think is like the yeah, as the the gangster character that you never quite got to do in WCW, uh, getting to do it here. It's just a, like I say, real shame it was short lived.
1: Yeah, because you know at the time of his death, Eddie was actually transitioning back into a face, and he mm-hmm. was using Viva La Raza again. Um, of course, we'll never know for sure what would have happened with Eddie and and this theme song. And if we ever would have heard it again,
5: because, you know, he died. We can't know. Yeah, that's it. It's like, we're on like a, that's the thing about Eddie's career, isn't it? It feels like he was still rising. Obviously he'd had his, you know, big moments as like WWE champion. And, you know, he, he established himself as a, as a top level guy, but it felt like the momentum was still building. And it felt like there was, so much more to come, uh, not just from a song point of view, but just as a, as a wrestler as well. And it just feels like, yeah, it just things just end, don't they? Um, and it feels like we're in, we're not at the end of the story. It still feels like we should be in the middle of the story, and there should be another, you know, five different Eddie Guerrero themes for us to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hear the stories of like, oh, he was going to win the belt from Batista, and he was going to wrestle Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania twenty two, and it's like, yeah, you do wonder what could have been, of course, but. If you look back at what was, he had a really amazing career. Like, having all these great matches and making a legacy in America and Mexico and Japan, all these different promotions, it's pretty amazing. And sure, there were high highs and low lows, but overall, he just did so much in his career. Despite dying at, at, what, the age of 38? Jesus Christ. I mean, and believe me, believe me, I, I miss him so much. I do. I wish he was still here. And I do wonder... What more he could have done in wrestling had he not died? Um, How many more amazing matches and and moments could we have seen? But we have what we have with Eddie. And what we have is pretty fucking great. Um, You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, whatever. He'll go down as one of the greatest of all time. And he'll be remembered and loved by fans everywhere as long as, you know, Earth still spins. So
5: (laughs) God bless him, Benno. God bless him. Absolutely. It just shows like what an impact he had in what really was a relatively short period of time. You know, you mentioned there, he died at 38. That's, that's terrifying. You know, I'm 36. That's, that's in two years for me. You know, <laughs> you, know you look at an Eddie Guerrero and he's, you know, in that, even if you just look at the 10 years previous to that, to back when he was 28 and like, you know, in 1995, all, all different places he went and all the different things he did from New Japan to ECW to WCW to his WWF run. to so that little indie run we mentioned in there as well, like, how much did he pack into a short period of time and how much quality was there? Like there are great memories from every promotion he worked and great character moments and, and great matches as well. Um, and he, and he managed to do it all like at a point where, yeah, like I say, he dies at, he dies at 38 and he's still got, you know, a hall of fame career. Real shame. He doesn't have, you know, th- there isn't more, there isn't another 10 years of, of Eddie because who knows what he could have done and where he would have ended up or, yeah, unbelievable that he did did all that in such that such a short period of time, and unbelievable that yeah, he's left such an impression on on so many fans, and it you know lives on in in so many people's hearts. And now all
1: these years later, uh, his fake son Dominic is wrestling himself and <laughs> fake living up to the Guerrero
5: name. You just you love to see it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he's not too bad, Dominic. he's, uh, he's de- I never thought we'd get that 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 callback to uh, to the Dominic Mysterio days. Yeah, the fact that he's now a grown up and he's uh, and he's on TV. But you know, he's he's not the worst. I think uh, he's he's probably not going to be Eddie Guerrero level, but you know, he's uh, he's de- he's doing uh, he's doing his uh, his fake dad uh, some uh, some justice there uh, these days. One minute, they're
1: fighting over you in a ladder match, and the next, you're wrestling Seth Rollins. It's a it's a weird world, Benno. It's a weird world. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Met. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, Benno, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this was your first show. It was a big show, a real tall order with all these songs, but you passed with flying colors. So... Hopefully, this lived up to the hype of your bucket list.
5: <laughs> oh, thank you, man. Yeah, I had a great time coming on. Hopefully, we've uh, we've done the big man uh, justice there. But yeah, I had a blast. And yeah, I'd love to do it uh, any other time you need us. Any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Yeah, quickly, I suppose, uh, download the Grapple app. Um, you, if you uh, go to grapple.podbean.com as well, uh, you can listen to our Grapple Spotlight podcast, as we mentioned at the top of the show, where you know we talk all kinds of stuff, football, life, uh, or. Oh, british soaps uh, eventually we talk about wrestling on those podcasts so uh yeah you can check that out over there and if you want to hear about uh british wrestling and who doesn't in the year uh, 2020 <laughs> uh, you can hear me uh me and martin uh, talk uh, british wrestling uh, on the british wrestling experience at, uh, at postwrestling.com as well so uh, yeah they're the main two and uh
1: follow me on twitter at benson richard and i uh, just want to note that um, grapple is g-r-a-p-p-l no E in grapple, just to remind people of that. So um, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking out for you. I'm looking out for you there, <laughs> I can hear Gareth screaming at his radio. <laughs> God damn it. What are you doing? Come on. <laughs> is that what he sounds like? Oh. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just came to me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Close enough. And uh, Music of the Matt is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this or past episodes, you can do that at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash donate and click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. And, of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, Benno, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Cheers, man. All right. For Benno, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys.
3: Eddie Guerrero measuring Ray closer the champion. But wait, wait this, ain't, this ain't right. This is not right. Eddie Guerrero with the gold in his hand. No. Eddie Guerrero measuring Brock Lesnar. The WWE Championship no. is on the line. Well, no. Brock, watch out, watch your back. Lesnar to his feet. Wake up, have to wake up ref. Eddie Guerrero measuring no. the champion. No. Oh, Missing the championship, shot to the midsection again. And oh. Eddie Guerrero, back to his knees. Lesnar so smart, so quick. And Brock Lesnar- And now, Eddie I Guerrero. told you, Cole. Here it comes, Cole. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. DDT out of the championship goals. He cheated, Eddie Guerrero cheated with that move. Come on, Eddie, come on, Eddie. Eddie to the top rope. he cheated. For oh. flash, flash. New WWE champion! Oh my god, I wow! I
2: can't believe it! For the
3: first time in his career! Eddie Guerrero is WWE champion! Wow! Eddie Guerrero's mother, Eddie Guerrero's brother, Mondo in attendance. To watch Eddie
2: Guerrero climb the mountain!